Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Immediately after leaving the Misfits, Danzig got busy on the next phase of his music career. Metallica and Rick Rubin were huge fans of the dark, iconic crooner, leading to a record deal with Def Jam and a debut album that featured the song Mother. It would be six years later, however, that the song would become a hit. Today, we're joined by Jim Legrando to discuss all things Glenn Danzig, including the surprising reveal into who the real mother is. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder Alright, so we're here in person. We don't usually do these in person, but uh, I got Jim... Legrando and Matt Kelly in my kitchen. We just what up? We just went and got some sandwiches at Primani Brothers, and we listened to some Danzig on the way. We sure and did. That's the most I've ever dug into the Danzig catalog. To be honest, was that drive to get sandwiches. I mean, I feel like that's unfortunate, but I got to come clean. I haven't dug into much Danzig beyond 1994, mm-hmm. so I can't tell you much beyond that. But before that, oh boy, it was a lot. And I loved it. You're a little bit of a Danzig historian then, I take it? Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I always say, I don't know if I'm quite the historian, but I have my own personal connection to how I like the music. And I, you know, I did a little research so we can talk about some stuff that I think people want to hear. You're, you're an authority on him. And the one thing that I do know about Danzig, as we realized on the way there, is Danzig has two things. Yeah. And those two things are, hey and hey <laughs> that's every song 
every song that we heard, he did those two things in the songs. And I think that's Danzig to a T. That sums up Danzig. It, it's his signature. He put those two <laughs> things to use for the last 30-some years. Right. Still going. It, it's working for him. Obviously, I know all the Danzig Misfit songs. And man, I grew up with a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes. <laughs> zero, <laughs> zero females, I know. But, but I'm, I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there's lots of female Misfits fans. But all the people I knew were dudes punk dudes that like worship the misfits and collected the records and everything. And I, that wasn't me. (laughs) I mean, I think some of the songs are kind of catchy. They're fun at Halloween time. Not a big misfits guy. If I am a misfits guy at all, it is only with Danzig. (laughs) Unlike Matt Kelly, who somehow likes the post Danzig misfits. I don't get it. I like fifties rock. And I think that when Michael Graves, I mean, the, piece of shit human but when he was in the <laughs> band he brought that little 50 swagger to the sound that i liked okay <laughs> you're like i don't understand what matt's really saying but i know what he's saying because i I've, I've listened to some post dancing misfits and that's exactly what it sounds like it's like 50s doo-wop ish stuff yeah. but you know like the saturday songs night are, i think is a legitimate jam of a right. song but <laughs> it's you know don't don't open till doomsday it's just about how there's gonna be the end of the world but it sounds like it's coming at you from the drifters. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not who we're here to talk no, about. No, 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 no. We're here to talk about Danzig and in specific Mother, which I was just thinking about it now. This is possibly my favorite. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Is it? Is it my favorite thing? Danzig, re- the entire Danzig universe. Is this my favorite thing that Danzig has done? I mean, it's a pretty fun song to sing. You know, I mean, just when he sings the mother part, mother, like that's fun, right? So, yes, you know, you wouldn't be alone in thinking that this is the best Danzig thing because Danzig thinks it's the best Danzig thing. Oh, wow. Following the success of the song, this is straight from the wiki page, but I, I think it's really interesting. Danzig recalled writing the song and then calling Rick Rubin in the middle of the night to tell him that he had written an incredible song and possibly the best song I'll ever write. Wow. So Rick Rubin recorded this? I don't know if Rick Rubin had anything to do with it. I think he just <laughs> called him no, because he no, had to okay. tell somebody. So, all right. I feel like before we get into Mother, before we get to Mother, maybe we should do a little walk through time, the history okay. of how Danza got to Mother and why we got to where it's at. Let's go back for one second to the Misfits because we talked about that. It's important to the scene. Just because Danzig started the Misfits and it was obviously a seminal punk band. Looking back to the the notes that I have with it. He started the Misfits in the mid-70s with his own label that's now called Plan 9, which he still owns and operates. And all all these recordings are his on this label, which is fantastic for him. And maybe he made some deal with somebody, but at least as far as we know, this stuff he still has it. But he attempted to get them to sign to several different labels only to be told that he would never have a career in music. Wow. I suppose he proved the haters wrong, right? So he was like, pray for my haters, because here I come. Point for Danzig. Okay. So this is mid-70s. He's been going through the whole thing. He's doing horror business, Where Eagles Dare, which, funny side note, I played Misfits covers as a high school band person. Where Eagles Dare, great song. I Ain't No Goddamn Son of a Bitch is the big part everybody does. I remember we were playing in the basement. And my dad came downstairs, he pounds on the door, breaks into practice, and he goes, hey, what is this song that you guys are playing? And we're like, oh, dad, it's a Misfits. And he's like, no, no son of mine is going to play a song where the lyrics are, I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> and he was not into it. But wow. that's how 
That's how it was. Okay. I thought he was going to call you a goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to have no goddamn son of a bitch singing a song about a goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> no, that would have been great. I think what's ironic, I'm going to pause you on that story to jump into the future a little bit. Let's. But that story really ties into the inspiration of the song Mother in a in a weird way, right? Like, because I never knew what the song was about until we started doing a little bit of research for it. I couldn't wait to get into that because I really have no idea. I mean, I guess I just always assumed it was about his mother <laughs> no it's about tipper gore and it's a song about the pmrc wow so it's saying like mother just hide your kids from all of life don't let them listen to my words don't like you know like it's kind of his like response to the idea of music censorship like these hmm. parents just like trying to shelter their kids so much from like naughty words and things that are actually happening out there right so just to follow up so with that because i was read this before he came out and said Al Gore wanted to tell people what they could listen to and what they couldn't. It was basically coming down to the idea that he wouldn't let anybody record any music that he didn't think you should be doing. There was going to be an organization that would tell you what you could and couldn't record, and certainly, if you couldn't record it, you couldn't put it out. It was really fascist. Let's back up a second. Yeah, I think he's got a, little, a couple facts wrong there, a, little, a tiny bit. In the end, wasn't it that they had to put the parental advisory stickers on things? So depending on who you talk to, the way that Dee Snyder and I think even John Denver have said it, and definitely Frank Zappa at the time, they were the only three people that were willing to speak to Congress, which is crazy. Did you say John Denver? Do you not know this story? Wait, John Denver, did did John Denver have some... So what happened? I'm, gonna, I'm about to blow your mind. You're going to love this shit. So yeah, so the PMRC was formed because Tipper Gore heard her daughter listening to Prince's Purple Rain album. And there's the song about the girl masturbating to a magazine. Darling Nikki. Darling Nikki. <laughs> and he was just, she was like, what the shit? So... She was like, this shouldn't be available to anyone. Wow. No one should be allowed to have access to this. So as a retort, they were trying, the music industry was trying to like appeal to the Supreme Court and say, look, we need to come to a compromise. The parental advisory sticker was the compromise. And the only three people that were willing to talk was Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, Frank Zappa, and John Denver. And like Frank Zappa and Dee Snyder were like, why the fuck is John Denver here? Like they were like so baffled and John Denver basically was like, he was like the favorite musician of most of the people on the Supreme court type situation. And he's like, you know, you guys, I understand you guys all think that you're going to do the right thing. You're going to protect people. But I once wrote a song called mountain, uh, Rocky mountain high about how beautiful I think the landscape is when you're in the mountains and that song was banned on a bunch of radio stations because people misinterpreted my lyrics to be about doing drugs. So I don't have faith that you people won't do the same thing to these fine musicians. And he basically just like stood up for like musicians as a whole, like you don't have a right to interpret these people's lyrics because you're going to find something in it that's not supposed to be there. And they said like John Denver is the reason why we they settled on the parental advisory sticker. Wow. I mean, the parental advisory sticker, by the way, probably sold so many more yes. albums. <laughs> Having that thing, people probably intentionally said more stuff on their album just to get the sticker on there. And so, you know, it worked out for the artist, but I didn't, how do you just eliminate music and expression? I mean, there were still like violent, terrible movies out and yeah. stuff. Like you still had like, why bad words some people were upset about like dude it's more than that because with danzig he got the parental advisory sticker but it's only because it seems as if it's demonic or yeah. satanic if you want to call it a cuss word 
is the word whore. <laughs> uh, Frank Zappa, all of his albums after he stood up against the PMRC were given parental advisory stickers, but they were all instrumental albums. What? <laughs> yeah. Who put the sticker? Like, he the, did? No, the like when he would submit it or whatever, they'd be like, no, nope. they like I. He's like, they, I know they didn't listen to it. They're just like, this is the motherfucker who tried to to step up to us so let's just slap a parental advisory sticker on this album wow this is all pretty crazy and it's not that long ago right this is it was in our lifetime it was 85 i want to say 85 86 yeah well mother came out in 1988 so it was in that i actually have a, a taped vhs tape i taped it off of vh1 they aired a tv movie called parental advisory where d snyder played himself and they recreated the the whole like court case (laughs) that's all so strange but okay so we're bringing this back in into the history we got rick rubin he's coming around the corner but i have to tell you (laughs) when we're talking about the misfits the thing that's funny that i was gonna say is i'm sure i know you don't know a lot about the misfits and i'm just learning this myself in october 1983 danzig disbanded the misfits because it's due to his increasing animosity for the other band members and his dissatisfaction with their musical abilities. Right, yeah. I mean, nobody was good at their... Right. He, he said that it was difficult for me to work with those guys because they weren't prepared to put in the hours practicing. Okay, well, I mean, that's... Kind of legit. I mean, they weren't good at their instruments. Right. That's pretty very obvious. I mean, but it's pretty cool they wrote such catchy songs with fun subject matter and they had a cool look and everything. And I mean, I guess that was all Danzig then, right? Is Danzig the one writing the lyrics and the melodies and everything? Dan, here's, here's a fun fact, my friend. Danzig is the sole writer of every single song that he's ever done. Wow. From the Misfits to Danzig Sings Elvis. Well, I guess those are Elvis' songs. Yeah. <laughs> so my mistake, that's false. Not including Danzig Sings Elvis. He's written every other song. Wow. By himself. I give Danzig some credit there. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, the Misfits, the songs were the songs were cool. The musicianship, the the playing of them was not. He had like some bums right. in that band. I mean, <laughs> in Danzig, he had legit musicians. I mean, it's it's it sounds good. It's okay, so he gives up. He's like Misfits, learn some chords, learn some stuff. I'm off. Wow. So he starts Sam Hain in 1984 and enters our friend. Steve Zing on yeah. drums. You remember Steve? It's been in the past three or four years, probably. Do you remember when this was, Jim? I, I, yeah. Uh, pre-pandemic. Okay, yes. Played at a place called... Dingbats. Dingbats in New Jersey. I mean, we spoiled the story a little bit, but we're, but we're playing at this place, and it's a metal bar. I don't think it's usually for punk shows. I mean, I guess whatever shows go there. I think it's primarily metal. But there's a big jacked guy... Uh, with long black hair, and he's running sound. And I think the other bands we were playing with, it, it seemed like he wasn't enjoying it too much, uh, if I remember correctly. Right. I'm, I'm going to take... So to give everybody, the listeners, a view of Dingbats, I took a photo of Dingbats when we were there. There's a sign on the wall that says, Upon entering Dingbats, I waive my rights to find Dingbats or anyone associated with Dingbats liable for any injuries that may be sustained while inside or outside the premises. Dingbats and all involved from Dingbats are not liable for injuries on the dance floor, stage, or anywhere. Okay, all right. This guy, he's somewhat intimidating looking, long black hair, bigger guy, and I was, you know, always like to like introduce yourself to the sound engineer. That's a good thing to do, (laughs) you know. We play the show and, and, 
he's a he's a cool guy and we're talking and he's like, oh, I enjoyed your set. You guys, you know, I could tell you really enjoy what you're doing up there. Real, really nice guy. And I get to talking to him and he gets to talking to me about like, you know, oh, you guys are from Pittsburgh. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, and it, it kind of was made aware to me that he played in a band or played music. And he's like, yeah, I played at Stage AE last time I was there. I was like, whoa, Stage AE. Because he, had, he hadn't told us his name. Right, right. Yeah, we didn't know his name. And I was like, that's a big club. Like, what what band do you play in? He goes, I play in a band called Danzig. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? And then talked to him for a while. And like, I mean, the way he even said it, he said it as if like, we weren't going to know who dancing was or something. <laughs> of course. But right. He, he may have just be, been being funny. Dude is the nicest, coolest guy. Like the, the, yeah, the best, the bassist of dancing, Sam Hain, just the, the greatest guy. I instantly texted my friends at like the Misfits. I just met the bassist of Danzig. And they were back like, oh my God, you met Steve Zing? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you know him. Like they, you know, I had friends that were starstruck by it. And I kind of was too, you know, I was like, damn. And, you know, we got a few Danzig stories and, and stuff. And that's, that's pretty cool. You know, like made me really have high opinion of that world, but based on him alone, you know? Right, exactly. So Steve and Sam Hain, they're playing. Obviously, people know that dancing has stuff happening musically because of the misfits. So that attracts some attention of some major labels, and specifically Rick Rubin, who wants to start putting out rock music because Def Jam is his label, and now he has Def American, which is going to be the rock label. So it turns out that on the advice of one bassist from Metallica, Cliff Burton, and also Mm. James Hetfield, told him to check out Danzig. He went to a show in 1986, got a socks blown off, and decided that he was going to sign Danzig to be the first rock band on his new rock label. And the thing that's funny is because it happened on July 14th, 1986, which is my birthday. I was five years old at the time, completely unaware of this. It was the last Sam Hain show in existence. That's where uh, Rick Rubin was chatting with him, and then they made, made this happen afterwards. And then like, the interesting part about this is so that's when Sam Hain ceased to be a band because Rick Rubin told him he should change the name of the band to his last name to be Danzig. That way, if there was lineup changes, it would never have to be affected because it's always his band. Like he's the guy in charge. He writes all the stuff. Then it doesn't matter who's in the band. Because Danzig. It's just Danzig. The band Danzig does not continue without Danzig. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I just, out of curiosity, I clicked in. I wanted to see like, because I always know of American records, because like obviously they did like the American collection from Johnny Cash and stuff like that. Their their current lineup, they only have five bands or five musicians currently signed on their label, and it is a wide net. Well, wait a <laughs> second. What is this? Well, why? This, why is this? This is related? Rick Rubin's rock label okay, that he started gotcha. outside of Def Jam. So like. Back in the, he did the Johnny Cash stuff. He he put out Andrew Dice Clay's albums. Uh, you know, bringing that back to the last time I was in this kitchen. Right. But currently, the only five people still signed on the label are the Avett Brothers, Band of Horses, someone named Denny Weston Jr., System of a Down, and ZZ Top. <laughs> wow. What five random musicians to have under the same? umbrella <laughs> right as far as Danzig goes I I think that in a way and I guess he recently released 
Danzig Sings Elvis? Was that an album or just a tour or what was that? I think it's Danzig Singing Elvis cover song. Well, yeah, no, I know. I, I know the concept and, it, and the concept makes sense to me because, yeah, he does have an Elvis quality to him in one way or another. He's like a evil Elvis. That's kind of what's going on, right? Right. From the start, that's the appeal. Right. And people compare him to like Jim Morrison or Roy Orbison, which he actually wrote. He wrote a song for Roy Orbison and for Johnny Cash because of Rick Rubin through the Johnny Cash American connection. I mean, you guys are making me really think a lot higher of Danzig than I did. I mean, I thought Danzig sounded cool. He had a a cool thing going or whatever. I mean, when I dug into his personality some, he didn't seem that great <laughs> of a dude really, but you know, I, I can forgive that to a certain extent. There's, there's other people that came from that music scene that are far worse, I guess this is the best you can say about dancing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you got a certain amount of grumpy elder gentlemen sort of thing going, I guess at a certain point, he became a meme very briefly for, Loving his cat, I guess, too much. There. Oh, I love the carrying the cat litter yeah, photo. Yeah. That's 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 amazing. I loved his appearance on Portlandia. Yeah, he was a uh, he was on an episode of Portlandia. I thought that was cool. You know, he definitely seems like he has a little bit of a sense of humor towards himself at at a minimum. Right. I could be off on this, and people could call me out on this, but I'm pretty sure when the Misfits did their reunion shows with Danzig that they were getting a million dollars a show. Is that correct? I mean, it's close I, to it. I I'm think, sure yeah. that's the case. I mean, I don't have any sort of facts with it, but I did see that when they, they reunited and played at Riot Fest with like a, the closest to original lineup they could have. And then they did a subsequent stadium tour that. I know the like prices crazy. were like, so, my yeah. buddy really wanted to go. And then he saw the price for the tickets and was like, nah. And I feel like prices only get that high. If you have a very high guarantee that you're trying to like hit Right. People are going to pay it to come and see it. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not going to turn it down. So that's how it goes. Bringing it back to mother. Right. Yeah. Mother. So we're getting there because, okay. So he signed, <laughs> he signed to American first record Danzig. That's what it's called. Comes out in 1988. Mother is on it. All right. But it doesn't make any sort of splash. They make a video for it. It doesn't get put on MTV because it's too wild for MTV. Because there is a scene where there's a chicken sacrifice and then they make some sort of inverted cross in blood and MTV was like, we ain't, we ain't having it. So they didn't put that out there. So that was, the that mo- was it. The moral high ground of a three year old MTV. Channel. Right. So it's, so it's, it keeps existing. Like that album comes out, they tour with Slayer on their South of heaven tour. They go to Europe with Metallica for the injustice for all tour. So they're playing in front of huge crowds. People really care about Danzig. It's growing. They do Danzig two Lucifuge, uh, an album I liked in my life. Cause I like, listened to it a lot. Cutting the grass. As a teenager, there's great hits like Snakes of Christ. Okay. Devil's Play Thing is a song on there that I like pretty much probably the most. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. 
Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. But it keeps going. He keeps Rick Rubin's involvement is starting to wane at this point. He did one, he did two. There's Danzig 3, How the Gods Kill. Now, you listen to some of that in the car. That's where there's a mm-hmm. lot of crooning in there. It's very much like... This is like... Man, I felt very doorsy for, if you don't listen to, to it. Look, I feel like it's Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman, if that pretty woman is a corpse skeleton. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, 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 that's the vibe of how I feel all that sounds. All right, so this leads to... where This is why this is all coming back to Mother. This leads to... He puts out a live album called Thrall, colon... Demon Sweat Live, all one word. Mm-hmm. On this, there is a live version of Mother. And then six minutes and 66 seconds later, there's Mother 93, which is a heavy reverb version of it. And this led to them making a video that MTV put into the, you know, the very famous buzz bin. And that's what took Danzig and Mother on the rocket ship to the moon. Yeah, buzz clips. We're talking buzz clips here. The yeah. Buzz bin, buzz clips. Yeah. Lot of gr- lot. That's where I found out about a lot of music in my formative years. You know, in the '90s, I remember Danzig being in there. Hey guys, it's Matt. Just interrupting the episode real fast to say, hey, do you like coffee? I know Chris and I do. So if you're a fan of coffee, how about you head over to rootlesscoffee.com, which you may remember is run by past guest Jono, and get yourself a bag of some coffee grinds. If you use the promo code. O-H-T, all caps, 10, you will get 10% off your purchase and a little bit of that money will come back to Chris and I. So it's a great way to help support the show and get a great cup of coffee. And now back to the episode. Man, when I'm looking at these lyrics now and you tell me what this song's about, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I I can see why he was like, Rick, I've written the greatest song I'm ever going to write. Because it's it's probably the most thoughtful lyrics he's ever put to a song. I mean, that's pretty badass. It's like, (laughs) mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my words, what they mean, what they say. Mother, (laughs) mother, can you keep them in the dark for life? Can you hide them from the waiting world? Oh, mother. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Father, gonna take your daughter out tonight. Gonna show her my world. Oh, father. And then I guess I never, it's one of those choruses where I kind of mumble some, mumble my way through some of it, but it's, 
not about to see your light, but if you want to find hell with me, I can show you what it's like till you're bleeding. Right. I didn't know the line was till Til you're bleeding. Now about to see your light. And if you want to find hell with me, I can show you what it's like. mother. <laughs> I didn't even intend to come in here. I, I, I kind of figured I wasn't going to be able to talk shit on Danzig. That wasn't never my intention. You know, there's, there's too much punk rock history there. I, regardless of anything I would have said about the musicianship of the early uh, misfits with Danzig, there's something to be said for those songs being easy enough for bands who are first learning to play music to be able to play those songs. Start there. That's a pretty awesome thing too. Sorry, I just, I was pulling up for, you know, eventually I was like, we're going to go to the, like what was on the billboard chart that week. There's a song I've never heard of. So I'm curious if either one of you remember it because I would have been nine when this song was at 37 on the Billboard charts. 12 gauge with donkey butt. <laughs> <laughs> what? 12 gauge with donkey butt. That was, <laughs> that was the third. That was above Danzig mother on the Billboard. <laughs> oh, chart. damn, Danzig. <laughs> I can't believe that Danzig has this storied, long, iconic career, and, but didn't get above. Donkey butt. Are you right. saying donkey butt or donkey butt? D u n k i e donkey butt. Donkey butt. Okay, Jose, I'm. I very rarely do we do this on the show, but I feel like I I need to hear at least a little bit of what this song sounds like. Wow. Yeah, this song rules. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of like this better than Mother. No offense, dancing. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit of a diversion, but I'm glad we took it. <laughs> so, okay, so Mother comes out. It's a huge fucking thing, and people love it. So he puts out Danzig 4. It has no hits on par with Mother. And it also, it's like kind of industrial metal and sort mm. of uh, experimental. And this is when they part ways with Rick Rubin, because... Amid accusations of unpaid royalties and broken promises and the, you know, whatever, that's when they leave American. So they're not on and he's off doing his thing. And so this is also when the, the lineup dissolves. And so according to Kerrang, they went to Dave Grohl and said, hey, do you want to be the drummer in Danzig? And he's like, nah, I got I got other shit going on. I'm not, yeah. not going to do that. So they went on to sign a deal with Hollywood Records. That was their next label. And that's interesting because... That is actually a Disney-owned record label, and due to it, that, so several religious groups boycotted because of it, calling them a satanic band. So as a result, the label pulled their support for that album, Black Acid Devil, and the record deal was immediately severed. And Chris, do you know who was another band that had a similar situation with Hollywood Records? Suicide Machines? I mean, I guess they would also be on there, but I was thinking huh. of someone else that we're a big fan of. Oh, man. There was a certain album that we both loved that was released on just Hollywood Records, and then they got dropped right after it. Was it ICP? Yeah, Great Malenko was released on the Disney-owned Hollywood Records. Really? Well, yeah. It's like... Some nephew of Disney there, like running the show. He's like, I'm doing the ANR. We're putting out Great Malenka. We're putting out dancing. So, and they were so like, this what? is like a this is like a very weird deep cut that I like just learned recently. But if you ever bought the ICP out al double album, Forgotten Freshness, that's like all of their B sides. One of the tracks on there is called Piggy Pie: The Extra Gory Version. Whoa! And that's the version that they had originally submitted, and Disney was like, we can't put this out. And if you listen to it, it is a lot more violent, but it's also like 
way more obvious that when they're talking about piggy pie, they're exclusively talking about killing cops. Nice. (laughs) And I think Disney got like super cold feet about that. (laughs) They're like, yeah, you got to change the lyrics to this song. Wow, I got to hear that one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to ICP, Great Malenko is kind of where it ended for me. I mean, I'd be a juggalo for life, but it was... It was great Malenko, I feel like, was the peak and wasn't too interested in anything after that. I mean, I'm glad they kept going. Definitely not interested in anything uh, surrounding acts or anything. No, no, no you thank you. You don't dive into Twisted yeah, and the twisted. rest of the... Uh... <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> well, yeah, so, I mean, you know, so Danzig obviously continuing to make music. So here's the thing. Before, it might not seem obvious. After Sam Hain was done, he wasn't working with Zing. So Zing was on the sidelines until 1999 when they did a Sam Hain reunion. So from 86 to 99, Danzig and Zing weren't a team. But they played that reunion show and, you know, old feelings came back. So then he was on the, love on it, the crew. Love it. And in 2006, Zing was back in the fold for good. So he's been on the team ever since. I love it. I only like Danzig with Zing. Yeah. Dude, it ain't got a thing. It ain't got that Zing. Yeah, man. I, I would like it if it was Dan Zing. as we were talking about the groups that were on hollywood records that like didn't make sense for it i just scrolled through their former signees two different weird artists that we've covered on one hit thunder uh at one point both striper and the dead milkmen were signed to hollywood records as well wow well maybe they were like secretly the best label out there Suicide Machines, Danzig, ICP, and the Dead Milkmen. Yeah, all right, yeah. It's a pretty strong roster right there. Yeah. So the last Danzig fact I have here is in 2014, he filed a lawsuit against the original Misfits bassist, Jerry Only, after discovering that Only registered all that Misfits-related trademarks in 2000. And so for 14 years behind Danzig's back, he'd been misappropriating the exclusive ownership over the trademarks for himself, including the band's iconic Fiend Skull logo, and violating a 1994 contract the two had. How, how did it take him that long to realize it? I don't know. Wikipedia didn't say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the song Mother, the 1993 version of it, peaked at 43 on the Billboard Hot 100. Only, only song of his to ever get on there. March 26, 1994 is when Mother 93 was at its highest point. Some of the stuff that was going on in the top 10 at that point. Uh, actually, something we referenced while we were eating today at number nine was Cantaloupe by Us Three. Mm. Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg was chilling at number eight. But the top two songs, we had Bump and Grind by R. Kelly at number two, but the number one song in America for what looks like 13th week on the chart, but second week at number one, Ace of Bass, The Sign. Okay. So that's what Danzig was up against. Yeah. You can't really win against Ace of Bass. No. Could it be argued that Danzig slash The Misfits, I guess I can think of a few off the top of my head, Grateful Dead or whatever, but this could be like one of the biggest cult following bands ever or artists in general, just, okay, based on, okay, he's getting a million dollars a show or whatever now for reunions, never really had... This is his biggest hit, and it went to number 43. Yeah. And you have the collectors of his records paying exorbitant amounts of money, you know, and he's just, and that, that fiend skull itself is such a, is, is there a more iconic logo in, in anything? And, and I know I saw this on a, a Misfits documentary, but wasn't it that someone in Metallica wore a 
Misfits shirt wasn't how the Misfits kind of got their break. I mean, it, pro- it could be the case considering they definitely I mean, covered a bunch of their songs before they were big. That's what like ended up on that Garage Inc. compilation was like their. Well, they demo definitely tapes. covered "Die Die My Darling" and I did think, "Green Hill." I think they yeah, also I did mean, "Hybrid Moments." Yep. So that that's got to be the case because I mean, if they disbanded the Misfits in '83, I think "Ride the Lightning" was '84, but that means yeah. that "Kill 'Em All" came out well before that. So it adds up. <laughs> I think that Metallica... The Metallica math works out. (laughs) I think that Metallica endorsing them was a big thing for them. I remember from watching some sort of mini doc about the Misfits before. I I guess I like Danzig minus... (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, Danzig is 66 years old. The Marlowe year. So maybe he said some things lately that would be, you know, tied into that. I don't know. But thinking of whatever. I I guess I, I have these expectations of people. And it's not like I'm like a huge misfits or danzig fan i'm only a fair weather fan of certain songs or whatever so i can't really expect that much from them but i think like i don't like it when people don't progress with the times like if you said shitty stuff 20 or 30 years ago and now you look back at it and you're like hey that sucked i said that you know there's lots of examples of that i can't i can be like oh you 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 grow you learn but if you're still now as soon as someone uses the term cancel culture, yeah, as soon right. as it, they say right. that with, except like in referencing how stupid of a term that is, that all that is, that's just consequences. Yeah. Like if you do something, there's consequences to that. And if people want to go see you and you're a piece of shit, like no one's saying you can't, they can't go see you. What, what are you being canceled from? Like network TV or something? You're, you're an artist, like go do your thing. If it's shitty and other shitty people want to come see you do it, What's being canceled? I don't understand. That's confusing to me. Yeah. But it's just consequences. It's, I don't know. Here's the brief thing that they have written down on the, on his wiki for his political views, which is only a couple sentences, but it says regarding his political views, Danzig describes himself as conservative in some ways, but in other ways, extremely liberal the center, I guess. Uh, he defended President Trump's controversial travel ban from select countries arguing it's not really a travel ban. Whenever you walk into a country, we kind of want to know who you are and what you're doing here. Whatever. Stupid argument. Danzig has voiced his dissatisfaction with the United States two-party system, though, stating that the bottom line is that the only thing that both parties agree about is one thing, that they don't want a third, fourth, or fifth party in there. I mean, I think Danzig actually has a good point there. (laughs) Like, Like, yeah, I mean, two-party system sucks, so... All right, Danzig. There's like a middle ground, I guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't completely disagree with Danzig on this stuff. So, yeah, okay. All right. He's not not terrible. He's not Michael Graves. Yeah, he's <laughs> no, not Michael that, Graves. Yeah, it's like, Jesus man, I'm boy, I'm proud to be a proud boy. And it's Ugh. like, what the fuck? Oh, yikes. Dude, who, who, can you guys think of anybody off the top of your head that you liked and then you were so disappointed by their views on things this is not somebody i was like admired or something but i was like oh he has cool 90s country songs travis tritt and now travis tritt is like says the craziest yeah. bullshit i didn't know the most puzzling one to me is jk rowling oh it's like, oh, yeah yep dude you had on. the you, you, why well why? And i said i've said it before but like it's so that's like one of the most baffling things in the world to me that you can like literally write a book <laughs> about people who can magically get past what they thought their birthright is. Right. And then also be like, you're not. Inc- I mean, it's just puzzling because 
She's a billionaire. Yeah, she just had to so, not say anything. Right, like, <laughs> like billionaire and like kind of a philanthropist yeah. in a lot of ways and like wrote these books that are adored by children all over the world and this, why? Why at this point? Why mess it up at the end? I think a really funny one that I think about who the guy turned out to be a total piece of shit. I don't know why I didn't know this already based on this fucking stupid song that they made us sing in school, but the, it's the uh, Lee, Gr- Lee Greenwood proud to be an American. Yeah. I can't remember who it is. There was someone recently where I was like, Oh no. Like, like it was just every once in a while. I'm like, I'll read a sentence by somebody and I'm like, that makes me think that this person thinks away about something else. And then I do like the deep dive and try to find out like, what else have they said? And then you're like, Oh no. I mean, I know you've been particularly hit hard by Hanson gate. Hanson gate crushed me. Actually. That is true. I blocked it out of my mind because I defended those guys so hard for years. Yeah. Hanson gate was no surprise to me. Who always thought thought Hanson fucking sucked. And that, that, that was the one. Because I found out everything like three days before we were supposed to record that episode. And I was like, I got to process so many emotions right now. Yeah. To all the, hey, I love all the Hanson heads who came over. To, Dude, so they they the pimped the shit out of There's the one girl that still will like, anytime Hanson's in the news, they share our episode. And it's like, oh, you want to support those guys? Have you checked out this episode <laughs> of One Hit Thunder? And I'm like, thanks, guys. <laughs> well, we did give it a very fair breakdown. We had yeah. three different perspectives. Me... Me a hater even before that. Yeah, <laughs> I was An OG like, hater. these guys. These guys. Uh, I mean, I I would. Yeah, have... Matt. Matt and I rolled in like before Fans. we knew anything. We're like, all right, we're gonna turn Chris. We're gonna teach him how great this man. Is. You may have been able to, but then that, it was just that stuff was fresh. <laughs> that stuff was fresh. I, but it does seem like it, in in defense once again that. Taylor is the one who's actually okay, yeah. kind of. I mean, maybe he just saw the hot stove in front of him and he was like, maybe I don't want to touch that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe my secret Pinterest is going to get deleted. I, I, I think he... His yeah. the, the secret the, Pinterest. That is the... I forgot that it was all, it was all Pinterest that, that blew the gates wide open on the Hanson I don't want anyone to find my secret <laughs> Pinterest with all my racist memes. Like, why? I have to post them somewhere. I gotta post them somewhere. Where's somebody not gonna see him i gotta save my racist memes it's so funny this meme is so funny i gotta put it somewhere yeah oh it's the dankest meme i've seen in such a long time what if i want to reflect upon it look he's like i can't store these locally yeah i can't keep these on my computer oh god i bless i want to save these want to save these on a website where people put their arts and crafts recipes <laughs> no i mean the the one thing we didn't mention with danzig before we go into the thunder blunder portion of this is obviously he now directs horror movies <laughs> yeah horror movie night let's hear yeah, about right and makes and makes wild comics that's like yeah, his other he thing makes too. erotic comics um, erotic comic yeah so he his whole horror career actually started in 1998 when he was in the prophecy 2 starring christopher walken as a fallen angel but he did start to dive into directing and he did this film in 2019. This is his directorial debut called Veronica. Like a combination of Veronica and Erotica. Yes. Okay. Very creative. Uh, also because it's based on his comic books from his comic book comedy, which is just Verotic. So he tossed the nay in there. It's like it's another thing. Movie's a, a 90-minute film. Uh, it's an anthology film. So it's a bunch of like shorter horror stories. 
Uh, but it consists, I'll just read the, the quick premise because it's only a couple sentences on Wiki. The film consists of three segments. The first segment, The Albino Spider, is about a Persian sex worker with eyeballs for nipples and an albino spider that takes the form of an eight-armed humanoid, the later who murders sex workers by breaking their necks. The second segment, Change of Face, concerns a mysterious stripper who collects the faces of other women. And the final segment follows a countess who kills virgin women and bathes in their blood. So it's just erotic bullshit. And it's bad. Like, I watched it because it was on Shudder. And I was like, all right, I've heard this is pretty bad. Let's see it. Many people say that it's close to being like The Room is one of the worst, most poorly directed, poorly acted things. It's fucking bad. I think The Room is a little bit more entertaining because I didn't... I didn't find a lot of joy out of watching Veronica. I just found frustration pretty much throughout it. Does it have that the room kind of look to no, it? Is it, is it actual actually, have like film quality? No, look the, to he it? he had some money behind it. There was definitely a budget in there. Um, he apparently is also to tie into last week's episode. He said his next movie, which he's working on, is called Death Rider in the House of Vampires. And it's starring Devin Sawa and Danny Trejo. And he described it as a vampire spaghetti western. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he got some actual real deal actors. All right. So Thunder or Blood <laughs> Dragon? Dan- 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 Dancing. Yeah. Dancing. <laughs> it- Dancing's Thunder. Dan- Dan- yeah, Come on. Thunder. Who, who, who are we kidding here? Like, yeah. I mean, the dude's a, 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 a iconic artist. Like, and I play punk rock music. I would be. That would be uh, very blasphemous to be talking shit on Danzig, I think, right? Yeah. It's not for me. It's not for me. No, but I didn't hate listening to it in the car, though, simultaneously. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah. You know, Halloween time, it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Hot summer day, cruising down the road. I'm probably not going to throw on the Danzig. It's very season-dependent, I think, but, uh, but cool. Yeah, like October through January. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Punchline's song All Hopped Up on Jingle Bells off their compilation album, Night Lights. Visit punchlion.com for info on future Punchline shows, releases, and merchandise. Do you want to hear your song on the show or have any interest in sponsoring an episode? Then contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder.
Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.